Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please, come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Welcome to another edition of the Disney Brit Radio Show. It is episode 141. It is the 14th of July 2014. Thank you once again for joining us. And thank you to Alan. Hello, Alan. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm in a war zone at the moment. You're in the war zone. Why? I can hear doors slamming. I can hear kids shouting. <laughs> and there's some stomping up the stairs. That's just from your wife. Yes. Hopefully, anyway. Hopefully, that's good. Uh, well, next time, next time, Alan, just don't do the podcast in your pants. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, oh. so I'm not here. Am oh. I? hello, Chris. <laughs> oh, hello. How are you? Uh, not bad. I've not been here for a little while. I sort of forgot the uh, way we done it. Yeah, I forgot the routine, didn't you? It's just. And also, there was a dog jumped on top of me. <laughs> so I'm the only one who seems to be recording in relative peace and tranquility. And I've got it out now. It's trying to jump at the door. <laughs> got what else? Shut. Dog's gone. Elsa's out. And uh, Alan, I believe you've realised that your uh, chair can change height and you can actually sit at a comfortable level and not hunch over your microphone for the first time since we've been doing this. Yes. Um, for about a year now since I got this new mic, I've been bent over double. And, and then I've just dropped my chair the last <laughs> 10 minutes and it's perfect. If you'd have worked with me, Alan, any time in the past, you'd have realised, because whenever I go around the office and someone's got their chair nice and high, I just kick the lever. And watch them drop. Watch them grab the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good fun. I didn't oh, I even know imagine. my chair moved up and down, so oh, I've oh, learned clearly something it new does. as well. Clearly it does, and you just learned something new, so that's good. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome. I hope you all had a lovely Independence Day, if you're listening in America. Uh, of course, that was last week. Uh, let's tell you what's going on then. Uh, to start off with, we have to say a big thank you to both Orlando Attraction Tickets and Scooter Vacations for sponsorship. Uh, you can, of course, go to orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk and scootorlando.com. Uh, right, today we've got some Disney news for you. Well, we've also got an interview which we brought out from Mouse Meets, where we uh, had a good old conversation with Ron Schneider, who is uh, who was Dreamfinder at Epcot, he talked to us a little bit more, and certainly at more length at Mouse Meets about his job as Dreamfinder, about coming back as Dreamfinder, about the other work that he did in the parks, and all those bits and pieces. So we're going to be talking to him. Uh, and also we've got the next round of our Disney Ultimate Attraction, where we pitted uh, some attractions against each other once again. You've been voting, and we're going to decide who goes through. And there are genuinely some very close ones this time. So uh, our votes may make a difference this time round. Can I double-check you are keeping a score of all these? I am keeping a score of all these, yes. They're all, I know who's going through to the next round and who's out. It's all good. I know what's going on, so that's fine. Okay, that's all good news. So do Don't want any disappointed attraction no, creators. It's not going to be disappointed attraction creators. That's all good. Um, right, shall we get with some news and rumours? Why not? All right, here we go. News and rumours. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Zazu. Checking in with the morning report. Fire away. 
Okay, it's Disney's News and Rumours, and yes, we can actually do the 3 by 3 which we haven't done for a little while properly. So, this week's Disney's 3 by 3 Shakespeare's In Love. Cirque offers VIP experience. Become a Frozen VIP. Maybe. Oh, no. uh, we'll talk about it in a moment. We've got three bits of news then for you. One from the UK, two are Walt Disney World based, and oh, it's me to start off with. And of course, in true professional fashion. There we go, there's my new story. Uh, this is something that you may or may not be aware of uh, that is coming to London's West End. And um, the amount of people I've spoken to about this have kind of said, that's not Disney. What are you on about? Why are you talking about Shakespeare? Uh, that's because already started in previews right now in London's West End is a new stage version of Shakespeare in Love, which has just opened at the Noel Coward Theatre, which is smack bang in the middle of the West End. Uh, most people will seem to think, well, how is that Disney? Well, it was a Miramax Studios release, which is a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. So uh, Disney, obviously uh, still holding the rights to that, decided that they, along with Sonia Feldman, who is quite a... Sonia Friedman, sorry, who's quite a, a big West End producer, uh, have decided to put on a stage version of the... British romantic comedy, I suppose. Shakespeare in Love. Um, I'm going to see this next Friday. I'm quite excited because uh, I quite like Shakespeare and I quite like Disney and the film was quite good. Um, so it's something that I'm hoping uh, is going to be really good when I go and see it and I'll, I'll report back when I've been. Uh, just to give you a bit of information about it, uh, it's the uh, written by, or the book, is by Lee Hall, who has uh, recently done this, the script for Billy Elliot and also the screenplay for War Horse. And it takes place in Elizabeth in England, as you would expect. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, and are available all the way up until the 25th of October at the moment. If you want to go before the 23rd of July, then it's 50, tickets are from £10 up to £52.50, and any time after that, from the 24th of July, tickets are £15 up to £57.50. If you go to DisneyBrit.com, there's all the information there, there's a link to the tickets, and you can see some of the images from the stage show as well. It looks quite interesting. I'm kind of I'm a- intrigued. Go on. Which one? Alan, you were going to say something. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find out if I've seen it before or not, the film version. I'll be I've honest, never I seen it. Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Joseph Fiennes were in it, uh, along with Judy Dench's Queen Elizabeth. Was there singing in it? No. I'm certain I've not seen it, because I've only seen about ten films in ten years. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't talk to you about films, do we? Because we know, <laughs> you know... You saw The Lion King for the first time about a month ago. Um, What's wrong with that? <laughs> uh, so neither of you have seen the film? No. Oh, you need to watch the film. It's brilliant. It's very funny. I want to know why it's £5 cheap with the first few weeks. Is that because they're not very good? It's called, it's called previews, where things can change and alter or, and all that sort or of stuff. Or, coincidence, the kids aren't off school then. No, no, no. It's, it's genuinely previews. Uh, and then it has its world premiere on either the 23rd, I think it's the 24th, it has its world premiere. And then it goes into what is known as the full run. But but to be honest, by this point, the show is pretty much what you would expect to see in its full run. So that's the reason why the price has changed. You do it with a lot of shows. I bet um, those £10 seats aren't great, are they? No, no, they're not going to be great at all. But uh, it's, it is a play. It's very, <laughs> rare that we get, it's very rare that we get a new kind of play, certainly of this style, in the West End. So I'm going to see that on Friday evening. So I'll report back when I've seen it and see what it's like okay stage sets look quite good the stage sets do look really good Uh, well i was watching a video about it the other day and they were saying how they're having to basically create a theater within a theater Mm -hmm. um so they're creating the globe on a stage and having to very simply transform the stage from one thing to another to another um and so it should be quite good but apparently it's very funny 
So uh, I'll, I'll report back, like I say, when I've seen it. So. Is, is it very Shakespearean, though? No, the language isn't. The, the, the whole story is about Shakespeare and about him and him falling in love with a girl called Viola and him, You'd think him kind of having that to write his blog and all stuff. You would think so, wouldn't you? Um, so it's, <laughs> it was written by Tom Stoppard and another, I can't remember who originally, but it's very funny. It's The language isn't Shakespearean. Uh, but obviously the setting is and the idea of it being Shakespeare coming up with all these plays and stuff it's a work of fiction really the majority of it isn't really based on fact but um, but the film's very funny so I would expect this would probably be just as funny as the film sounds good there you go so that's uh, that's Shakespeare in Love right let's head over to Walt Disney World Alan what's going uh, on with Cirque du Soleil right okay let's try and open up the window that says uh, where the thing is right I've got a quick question before I actually go into this yeah go on then what does Cirque du Soleil stand for? Circus of the Sun. Okay. What does Lanuva mean? Uh, I don't know, actually. That's a very right, okay. good question. I've um, typed it into Google to get a translation of them, and it, apparently it's Haitian for the Nuba. <laughs> and, and what does that mean? <laughs> no, well, it, it, in French, apparently it is the Shindig, according to Google. What, Lanuba? Yeah. Is shindig a word that you would use in your area um, of the country? I suppose, yeah, well, you would. Not, well, like we, we use it sometimes. At those, like, you have a bowl in the middle as well with keys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know whether the idea, though, it could be they're, they're circish. Circish? Yeah, circus. circish is a language that Cirque du Soleil came up with. Uh, All right. So they could tour shows around the world without the worry of... Uh, there being a language barrier, so they just created a language that they could do everything. What about in. the one they called Michael Jackson then? Well, obviously not that one, but a lot of their shows. <laughs> um, it's interesting, actually. Yeah, English to French, it's Lanuva, it says. So it could be that it's supposed to be Circus. I don't know. That's me guessing. Anyway, what, what do you want to tell us about it? Okay. Anyway, um, they're going to offer some new premium packages for those that. Are... Oh, hang on. I can't even read it. I haven't got my glasses on. All right, for those of you that enjoy. I've just worked out something else. I can zoom into my screen. <laughs> oh, it's a day of firsts today, isn't uh, it, for you? As bad as it sounds, I feel like Craig Duncan. <laughs> I'll just use the... Right, okay, I can see the screen now. It's amazing. Right, for those of you that enjoy Sick to Soleil... Yes. That means you, Adam. Yes. Um, you can now get an even closer glimpse at the world of Lanuba, which means Haitian for the Nuba. Yes. With its new preview package entitled... L'experience, which Very is what, what is that in English? It's uh, it's Haitian for the experience. Oh, the the new two hundred and fifty pound ex- experience will include a viewing for the six pm show in front of in the front and centre category seating. Right, some souvenir popcorn and soft drinks. Yeah, which you can drink and eat. You don't have to take home as a souvenir. Oh. oh. Um, Cirque du Soleil gift bag with yeah. merchandise. Yeah. Sounds interesting. How much is in that bag? <laughs> or is it just one of those printed up carrier bags? Yeah. <laughs> one, yeah. One of those really cheap carrier bags, you reckon? Yeah. Would you like a five pence bag, please? Um, a meet and greet with the perform with the performer from the show. Yeah. A look backstage at costuming and other areas. Ten percent discount on use in the gift shop. Right? Yeah. So the pricing is $250 plus tax. Okay, there's a bit more there. $215 plus tax for kids age 9 and under. And the package will be offered for the 6 p.m. show on Fridays and Saturdays starting from July the 11th. A couple of days ago. That's 
Couple That's of days a lot ago. of money, isn't it? Is Are you going to go for it? Um, no. Hang on Chris? a second. I'm just, I'm just on the phone to Disney. What? Yeah? Trying try oh, to book yeah. it? Yeah, six of us. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought it was 2 pounds 50 it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a how, silly How much is right? a normal ticket? About $60? Um, $60, it depends. $70? It, can, it can go up above that. Really? It's within the hundreds of dollars, yeah. Um, but it's I a... think that that sort of money uh, for one person... That's what I thought was a group ticket at first. It's just a lot of money. I was expecting now, dinner just... included. No. Goodness me, no. Uh, tickets and info. I'm just having a look now. I'm just double checking what the prices are coming in for regular. So regular tickets. Um, here we go. Let's have a price. doesn't actually details. say you get front row seats or nothing like that, does it? No, it doesn't. No. So, oh, right. Okay. So uh, the cheapest is $63. All right. Uh, most expensive, 150 <coughs> So if you've got the best seats in the place, you are paying... Yeah. A hundred dollars for that experience. Yeah. Um, wow. Between the first of July and the twenty seventh of September, they have reduced the seats slightly. So for category four is uh, forty nine dollars up to one hundred and fifty. So there's a slight difference, but uh, yeah, you pay a hundred dollars for the extra. Right. So a hundred dollars, and you get a bucket of popcorn yeah. and a soft drink. Yeah. A carrier bag with some merch in it. Yeah. Which we're not sure what the merch is yet. Meet and greet with the performer from the show. Yeah. Well, we don't know who the performer. Look at the costuming and backstage areas. Or yeah. is that just look at the, the laundry? <laughs> Probably the laundry. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like, doesn't it? Then ten percent discount for use in the gift shop, which is pointless because you've already got a bag full of merchandise. That's true. Maybe if you get the DVD, that'll be quite good. Oh, you can get the DVD off Amazon dirt cheap. Well okay. We'll sell copies of the DVD for two hundred dollars. For oh. that, it'll feel like you've got a front row seat. You won't get to meet any other people, though. But it's a saving of $50. True. Plus tax. Plus tax. That's true. <laughs> Sounds a lot to me. It does sound a lot of money. Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen it without the experience package, so... Well, the problem is, having seen it, and it is a, an amazing show, I don't know whether the actual um, that amount is a little bit too much on top you... of what it... Because it's been around for so long and so many people have seen it, whether they're going to actually pay that much money to see it again. Let's face it, right? A family of four, two adults, two kids. Yeah. Plus the tax, $1,000. Yeah. That is a lot of money, isn't it? What's that? £700? Something like that. You could get a hell of a show in the the West End for £700. Yeah, you could. (laughs) And in a hotel. Did you go see Charlie? In the West you End? Want, you went to see Charlie the Chocolate Factory. I, I did, yeah. Fantastic. And, and that's nowhere near £700. For that I didn't pay. I, I won it for I free. I know you won it, but there you go. Um, so we're saying, no, this no. is a lot of money. Okay. I'll go, I'll go to Disney Quest instead. It's almost the same. <laughs> yeah, it's so close. We'll just, just near. We'll just get some rope, hang, uh, tie it to the top, and I hang one of the kids do, from it. I can't get parked because the car park's closed. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that as well. Anyway, talking about VIP packages and that sort of stuff. Chris, do you want to explain what's going on with Frozen? And also, you can probably explain a little bit about what's what's happening. I'll give you I'll give you the good news first. Get yourselves excited for this. Um, as we said, there's all these new Frozen things coming up. Well, they've now come together with a summer fun premium package. Yeah, they have. 
So what that really gives you is front row seats to meet them on their little parade when they come in. Um, it, it gives you front row seats to choose one of the shows you want to see, the sing-along show. Um, front row seats for the fireworks show. Um, and all-you-can-eat dessert party. All right. Wow. So, sounds very good. Some of the desserts um, look amazing. Basically, the frozen cupcakes that have started to appear are part of the dessert party. Right. So this sounds really good, doesn't it? I mean, there's some videos floating around. Of all this the is, stuff that's going on with it. Yeah, this is something that I want to do. All right, the cost is $59 for an adult. Yeah. $34 for the children. Plus so tax. Plus tax. So, no, that includes tax and gratuity. Does it? Yes. Makes a change. So you just so you, you book it by calling the normal dining, uh, Disney dining net number. Um, this is where the bad news comes in, boys and girls. Um, I want to book this. I am there for 14 days in August. I have one day that I cannot rearrange my plans. All sold out. Gone. It's insane that this has sold out so quickly. Well, not obviously not all the dates. There are still some dates available. You can go on to the website and do that sort of stuff. Well, I've, I've out, asked but... from the 2nd of August to the 14th of August, excluding the 9th. Um, and they can't fit us in any of them for four, which is two adults, two kids. Have you rang up for that? Yeah, rang up, yeah. Well, that's that's the only way of doing it. Can't do it online, no. Can't book online. And their suggestion is to ring each day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she estimates there's probably only 100 spaces left till the end of the Frozen thing, wow. which is the 1st of September. Really? Wow. Yeah, so... That's insane! It doesn't help. I can't even get fast passes. No. Because uh, I suppose you're at the disadvantage, like you say, because you're not staying at the Disney Hotel. Yeah. I'm an off-site person, so I get 30 days. So um, ever since I've been able to book my fast passes, 5 o'clock every morning, I've been up, straight on, go to Magic Kingdom, not available. Yeah. Just as mental. It's, I wonder whether they, just... hold, they might hold back some of the fast passes for the day for Arnhem and Elsa or... A few people have said that, um, but we'll wait and see. I mean, I'll, I'll be there open for the first day, and we'll have a little sprint down there and see what happens. I wonder well, if... I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't have a sprint. The kids will. Mm. I wonder if, for example, if you were going to have Cinderella's Royal Table, whatever it was, the yeah. breakfast, yeah. where you got into the park earlier than everyone else. Well, you, could do, oh, you could do Crystal Palace as well. Yeah. Could you get access to the Fast Pass machines inside the kingdom? Normally, not... I mean, when I've been in for them early before before park opening, normally it's all roped off and it is yeah. pretty shuttle into two areas. I would, yeah, that's true because they've started to do the rope drop, haven't they? Yeah. Very interesting okay. predicament. Um, I um, I'm not surprised that they've done it, and I'm, I'm not surprised that it's made all this money. I'm going to attempt to try and go and do as much of the frozen stuff as I can while I'm at Hollywood Studios. I'm not holding out hope that I'm going to get into most stuff. To be honest, I quite fancy seeing the first time in forever things. I think it'd be funny. Um, I'm not bothered about the welcome procession. I'm not too fussed about whether or not I get into uh, Oaken's wandering minstrel show, whatever it is. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I've forgotten what it's called. Um, and I'll see the fireworks from a distance, that's fine. But I just can't. Oaken's trading post, that's the one. But I, it. it's just mental. That is still... I mean, the first time forever, throws a sing-along. Um, 100-minute queue, apparently. If you want to get in, you need to be 100 minutes before that particular show. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? 
You'd, you'd and, have uh, thought that Disney would start to make some money out of this. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my kids aren't interested in Frozen. No. We've only got a dog called Elsa. Yeah, that's good. And they, sing, they sing Let Us Go all the bloody time. Let it go. Just let it go, Chris. That's what you got to do. Don't, just don't hold it back Frozen anymore. Party today. <laughs> Big summer blowout. Not for me. <laughs> yeah. um, well, d- d- one of the things that's good about the, the new Frozen stuff at the studios is yeah. the skating. Yeah, but you've got to pay for it as well. Which I was amazed. $10 for half an hour, though. Yeah. It's not, it's not, oh, yeah, it's not horrendous. We're not talking about something that's going to cost you at the earth. But I was have you, ever, thinking, have you done ice skating? Right? It's on fake um, ice as well. It's real ice, but um, half an hour is all you want. They'll bloody kill you. Yeah, you end up with. Imagine getting blisters on the back of your feet and having to walk around the park for another 10 hours. <laughs> Or for another 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Right, well, that's... If you want to go uh, and see Arnhem and Elsa and get that premium package, you need to do that ASAP. Yeah. One of the things I want to add on to there, we mentioned about the... There's a take-along Olaf mentioned. Yes. Oh, I've, yes. I have know more about that. I've since... Well, I've since found out what it is. Hopefully you're talking about the same one as me. Yes. It's like the Duffy lolly stick, yes, isn't it? Yes, that's basically what it is. It, yeah. It's a Duffy lolly stick, kid cot stop kind of thing. Yeah. A bit um, of paper with a Olaf printed yeah. on it. That's pretty much it. Um, which Six dollars. <laughs> it's free. It's free. <laughs> um, okay, so that's Frozen and the, or the lack of or whatever. But I think it, it is very interesting, the fact that if you're not stopping at Disney property... You're at a great disadvantage on a lot of these special events. Yeah, I think you are. Well, you couldn't. You, anyone could book this, couldn't you? Doesn't have to be thirty days for this special event. Does not. No. Oh well. Because <laughs> obviously they only, you know, re- they didn't release it that long ago, did they? So. No. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll talk Chris about a video, and he watched it today, I think. Um, yeah. On, well, a, what do you call it? A vodcast. Yeah. You call them that. Yeah. Vodka cast, yeah. <laughs> a video podcast on YouTube, um, Mouse Steps Weekly. It is Jeff Lang and Are we getting cash? Are we getting cash for this? I, I hope bet. so. And episode 107, they have basically previewed all the the Frozen stuff. Yeah. And one of the things they mentioned in that is that the, um, I think it's the sing-along show, is it the sing-along show or is it the... Yeah, it is the Frozen sing-along show. Uh, forever, once... Forever after. Forever, once after. Oh, I don't know. Something like that, anyway. Anyway, there's, there's one show. I think there's two shows. But there's one one show that they, they keep saying it was slung together within 10 days. That's yeah. right. Yeah, most of, I think all of the stuff was put together within 14 days. Which is crazy, isn't it? That's it. You... They probably they put thought, Speedy's coming. We're out of fast passes. What can we do? <laughs> It's, it seems like one of those things where they've, you know, if you have like an argument with someone, and then it's like two days later you go, oh, I could have said that, and that that would have been me that the winner. So it's like Disney have gone right, okay, well we've got this really popular cartoon animation thing going on, we've made loads of money, it's still going really well, um, that's it, we'll just do nothing. Then about two months later, oh, hang on, we could put it in the parks. Yeah. Oh, hang on, we could we could sell some merchandise. The, the, they just seem to be a bit slow on the reactions. I think. What, what is this music in the background, Adam? This is music from Disney Hollywood Studios because we're talking about Hollywood Studios. So, that sounds like some sort of other film they have on the evenings on the special satellite channels. 
I had that on work the other day, actually. That soundtrack. I thought you meant the film I was talking about. <laughs> no, it's it's blocked from our server that. And it was like a, it was almost like a guessing game of all the um, old TV shows. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'll be I'll be guessing when I'm trying to see the Frozen stuff. To, to be fair, though, Chris, if you can't get into the ropes off area for the um, the big stage show in front of Mickey's Hat, you can still get some decent viewing positions. That is true, but when I saw those cupcakes, I just wanted to eat them. You can you can, you can buy them at Wandering Organ's gift shop. Yes, yeah, you probably six dollars each, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. On about twenty that even, no problem. <laughs> No, no issue whatsoever. Oh, they, they do look t-shirt. good. The blue food dye. Yeah, I've been going crazy. <laughs> Does um do the drink are those drinks included in the premium package as well? Yes, there seems to be. Yeah, alcoholic ones as well. Yeah, because I, I think um on the before mentioned vodcast um on the Star Wars thing there was alcoholic drinks included. Not that it matters though, because Jamie wouldn't drive the car. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> so I just sniff it and that's it. Right, should we move on to refurbs before we depress the You could have refurb, you could have had like a little drinking <laughs> vessel. <laughs> I'll have another uh, Elsa slush or whatever it is. You just keep topping it up into your bottle for later on. I'll have an Elsa crush and a uh, big summer blowout. <laughs> you might ask for something else if you've had a few more drinks though. <laughs> Right, uh, I'm talking. I'm talking park refurbs. We'll be here forever. So let's talk what is about park refurbs. Just to let you know, Tomorrowland Transit Authority is closed until the fourth of August. Astro Orbiter is closed until the seventeenth, the nineteenth of September. Uh, Winter Summerland Summer Course closed for refurbishment from the fourteenth to the eighteenth of July, and it's tough to be a bug is closed from July the seventh to August the eleventh. Uh, downtown Disney, the parking lots H I J and K are still closed due to them uh, building a new multi-story car park. That'd be quite good if they do that. It would be, wouldn't they it? Want to get, they want to get rid of those contractors. I've never known someone that's quicker to build a park. Until <laughs> <laughs> bloody Harry Potter quicker than that. And uh, Disneyland Paris, uh, Captain EO shut, and that's pretty much it. Well, I've, quick, quick question. Got a quick question. Because you've mentioned Winter Summerland. Yeah. Is that included on the 14-day Ultimate tickets? You get um, a round of golf, mini golf, per person, what? per day. Including your ticket, so but yes, it's, it's supposed to be before four pm, I believe. Right, but apparently they don't necessarily check the time. Just that my kids have gone crazy golf, crazy. Yeah, so has my son, <laughs> and uh, they want to do it all the time. Maybe. They don't care about the rides. Maybe let's, let's go I, to crazy golf. Dad. I think I think we should have a Goodyear Speed Mini Golf Competitive Tournament. That would be good when we're out there. What we could have a Goodyear Speed Hooper one. Oh no, we can't. <laughs> Oh no, he's not. Oh, going. But I've already played mini golf with Hooper, and I know he's rubbish. So I know. Uh, I've win. won. <laughs> you did hang, actually hang win. No, that's true. Okay, yeah, you did. But when I actually go back into this, I remember going to a um, a forum-based meetup weekend. Sad. I'm sure I beat actually, you there. We as played well. twice, and then we went to Scarborough and I beat you there. Yeah, you did actually. Okay. Admitted. I'm glad he's not coming. Right, okay, let's move on then. We're going to take a quick we'll, break. We'll give you the results after. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back and you'll hear the audio from Ron Schneider from Mouse Meets. We should be back in a couple of minutes. 
Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Hey, I have the best kept Disney World and Universal Studios vacation secret. Did you know that anyone can rent a sweet ride and truly get around fast with your pass inside the theme parks? Mom, tell them. Well, Scooter Vacations makes it fun all day long. You or someone you love deserves the best way to see everything. So why not relax and enjoy a true express ride with your pass? Scooter Vacations can arrange it and even deliver it to you. Get around the fun way? Have as much fun getting from ride to ride as being on the ride. They fit on buses, boats, and monorails, and some can fit in a car trunk. Upgrade your experience and scoot everywhere. Contact Scooter Vacations at 1-855-WDW-SCOOT. That's 1-855-WDW-SCOOT. Or on the web at scootorlando.com. That's S-C-O-O-T-Orlando.com. S-C-O-O-T-Orlando.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, I want us to say a big hello to Mr. Ron Schneider. Hello, Ron. Hi, everybody. There he is. Oh, it's the voice of the Dreamfinder. How are you doing, Ron? <laughs> Just fine. <laughs> Brilliant. Look at that. We spoke to Ron before. We spoke to him a little while ago. Uh, but, um, Ron, for those, of, uh, for those of the people here who may not know who you are or what you did in Walt Disney World, although... Your photo is currently on a very large screen in front of us. Uh, do you want to oh explain your uh, links with Disney? Well, uh, actually, it goes way back to I was at Disneyland the day it opened in 1955, and uh, it had been a dream of mine for many years uh, to work there. There was a show at Disneyland called The Golden Horseshoe Review, which opened with the park in 1955. It was the creation of Walt Disney. I saw that show for the first time in 1970, and it became uh, my lifelong dream to uh, be the comic in that show. Ten years later, 1980, I got the job. Uh, I worked 40 years in theme parks, on and off for Disney. Uh, in 1982, when Epcot Center opened, uh, I heard about this uh, new pavilion they were going to do called the Journey into Imagination. I saw a presentation by Tony Baxter, who, of course, created the Indiana Jones uh, ride and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and so many of the rides we love. Uh, he was, at the time, in 82, working on the Journey into Imagination, and he had created a couple of characters uh, called the Dreamfinder and Figment. They were the only Disney characters at Epcot back in 82. There was no Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. Uh, this, uh, these characters told the story of the process of creativity. And when I saw a sketch of these characters uh, and heard Tony Baxter say they were going to be the only characters at Epcot Center, that became my new dream, was to, to uh, work in these characters. So I was uh, in with the company at the time, and so I did the work that I could inside the company to get that job. And Wound up working uh, there for the opening of Epcot Center through uh, 1987. So I was the original strolling Dreamfinder, uh, kind of a character who crossed between Santa Claus and the Wizard of Oz, who uh, talked about how imagination was something that belonged to everybody, and uh, this is all part of the the uh, purpose, the mission of Epcot Center to being an inspiration park, a park that. Uh, showed people their place in the world and the possibilities for future uh, creativity. And so Figment and I, I did part of the voice in the ride for the Journey into Imagination, the original one. And then when they come off the ride, Figment and I were walking around out in the garden area, uh, greeting people, playing uh, imaginative games and posing for pictures. 
and I did that for five years. Um, then I went on the, during this whole time around there, I was also working for Universal Studios on both coasts and um, creating different themed attractions and themed dinner shows uh, across the country uh, as a consultant. So it was something that I, I just love that kind of interaction with the audience. And then uh, I went back to Disney in uh, 2006. I was on the original opening crew of the uh, Monsters Incorporated Laugh Floor. I was one of the original monsters that uh, did the uh, comedy show. And so I was with Disney on and off. My very first theme park job, actually, was in wardrobe issue at Disneyland for the Christmas parade in 1970. So, uh, and then Disneyland had been a hobby. The history of Disneyland had been a hobby of mine since 1966. So I've been on and off with Disney for about 40 years. Now, um, am I right in thinking that you uh, and the Dreamfinder of Figment were the first kind of original characters that hadn't come out of a, a movie or, uh, or anything that Disney had done outside of the parks? Uh, I believe so, yeah. That, uh, us, and the, us and the Orange Bird, I think. Oh, the Orange of course. Bird was, uh, was the first original theme park-created character. That, of course, would have been back in 1971. Mm -hmm. But uh, we were the first ones to... Uh, I, to, to come out, and we were, uh, we were. It was a very exciting uh, job because nobody had ever played the character before. It was a face character, so I was talking. I was, uh, I was kind of left on my own devices. Nobody, since I was the first person to do it, I got to write the book and uh, create the uh, the Bible for the character. Now, uh, Dreamfinder, I think, at this moment in time, is has got a bit of a renaissance going on. Uh, you know, you existed all these years ago, and then with the birth of D23, you've had the opportunity to do some really exciting stuff. Uh, I know you, you came out and sang One Little Spark um, back at, at D23 a couple of years ago. At the moment, there is, uh, in development, the, the next series of the Disney Kingdom's comic books, and... Uh, there is going to be uh, one based on Figment. And I was mm -hmm. kind of intrigued as to whether you've been involved in the development of this or you know anything about the development of it. Uh, only what I've read, I did hear from Jim Zub, who is the uh, writer on the project. Uh, we got, he got in touch with me uh, very, very briefly a few weeks ago. He's been swamped, I would imagine, with the creation of it. But everything that I've read online in, in the interviews he's done, uh, I'm, I'm terribly excited because they haven't just, they're not just capitalizing on the characters, they're going back to their original purpose. As I said, the Dreamfinder and Figment were created with, uh, with a job to do, and that is to spread the message of creativity and imagination, the power of imagination, and something that, that, uh, that belongs to all of us. And uh, they've gone back to uh, at WBI, and they've spoken to Tony Baxter and the people who created the character with that purpose when it first opened. Um, if you've seen any of the later incarnations of the journey into imagination at Epcot, we've kind of abandoned that original philosophy, and Dreamfinder, uh, of course, is gone since 1998. Figment has become kind of a, uh, a, a graphic, an inanimate graphic, or the way he's treated on the ride, he's been become more of a, a, a nuisance uh, instead of something that's an endearing character and an inspiration, someone that we can identify with. And this is something that uh, Jim Zub and his people at Marvel have come back to. And so I'm very, very excited. If you read some of the online interviews with Jim Zub, you'll see what I'm talking about. Wow, okay. And do you know if the Dreamfinder is going to make an appearance, or is it just Figment? 
Oh no, no! The story is the, the story is actually of the origin of the Dreamfinder. Oh wow! Uh, yes, if you if you look at the graphic that everybody's been seeing recently, yeah. where, where it has a very young and mischievous looking Dreamfinder, and there's been a little bit of talk online about how I don't don't care for this Dreamfinder. He looks a little evil, a little young. It's not the way I remember him. Well, the reason is because they're going back to the origins of the Dreamfinder, starting with him as a young man. Uh, working at a uh, uh, creative uh, think tank in London, and um, is they've created a whole backstory for him about his history as kind of a rebel uh, creative guy, and um, we're going to follow him up through his career, including the moment when he creates Figment. Um, they're not exactly going to recreate the creation of Figment that we saw on the ride. But um, I have a feeling that by the time they get through the five issues of Imagination, he's going to look pretty much the way he did when I was playing it. It must be a real honor for you and, and almost a, a real compliment to you as well. For somebody who, who created Dreamfinder from scratch and Figment from scratch, you, know, you basically were the one who decided how Dreamfinder and Figment would be. And that through the work that you've done in the Disney parks, that Disney have now said, you know what, this character is so iconic that we're going to create an entire comic book series. You know, how, how does that make you feel as, as a performer, as someone who's, who's come up with something that has become such an iconic character in the Disney parks? Well, I kind of came in uh, after some of the original creative work had been done, and I've given this a lot of thought lately about this exact question. Um, I've always had this theory that the reason that all the people that are sitting there in the room with you right now are such devoted Disney fans uh, has more to do with what Walt Disney did in his lifetime than in what the company has done with the franchises uh, since. Uh, it's our loyalty, I know my loyalty, comes from the experience that I had growing up with uh, Peter Pan and Snow White and the creature creation and the personal identification I had with Walt Disney, the man. Uh, in that same vein, um, I believe that the popularity and lasting uh, affection that people have with Dreamfinder have more to do with what with the job that Tom that the Tony Baxter, Tom Fitzgerald, and Barry Braverman did in the creation of the original ride. The story that they told about these characters, the way that it was created, the way that in the ride we witnessed the birth of Figment, we came to identify with them, the relationship between those two characters and the message that they had in that ride uh, is what I tried to capture as a strolling character. And um, that, I believe, is what has stayed with people more than anything that I or any of the other strolling Dreamfinders did out on set um, when we were posing for pictures and meeting people. Uh, certainly, they have those memories, and they mean a lot to people. I've, I've learned that over the years. But um, I think the endurance of the characters really owes more to the work of Tony Baxter and the people at WDI, because the characters mean so much more than just uh, figures in a film. They're something that inspired people, that touched people. Um, and, as, and when I meet people who remember the character, uh, very often their kids may, may know Figment, but the parents always have to explain to the children who the Dreamfinder was, and I always hear from them what that character came to mean to them. He was always created as a reflection of Walt Disney, of the kindly old guy who used to take us backstage and show us how the magic was created, on television back in the 50s and 60s. And Dreamfinder was always meant to have that same kind of resonance, that same kind of effect, and that same twinkle in his eye. And uh, that's something that I merely 
uh, cared for. I didn't create Dreamfinder. I simply brought him to three-dimensional life, uh, which was a wonderful thrill and a great responsibility. But the reason the characters endure and the reason why there's enough there to inspire someone to carry it forward the way that the uh, Marvel people are doing now, I think it goes back to the Imagineers. You see, I, I, I agree, but I also disagree that you, you clearly have done a massive job with this, and I understand right. that the Imagineers, you know, I did so much work, but I think, I think everyone agrees here you're probably trying to play your role down a little bit, and I think you probably, we agree that you had a lot more to do with it than maybe you'd like to take credit for. Um, right, I've got loads of people here who are all sitting and listening, and I can ask you a million questions, but I know there's a lot of people here who'd want to ask questions as well. There's one man in particular who's currently sat in his DreamFinder t-shirt um, who I know will like to ask you some questions. So we're going to open it to uh, some listeners uh, all right. got, uh, and see what they want to ask, and then if we've got a bit of time, uh, I'll, it'll come back to me as well. So I'll just hand you over. Here you go. All right. Hello, Ron. Yes. Hello there. My, my name's Stephen. I am sat in, in a DreamFinder t-shirt. Um, <laughs> can I just say, when I went into hospital, my daughter downloaded your book onto her Kindle, so when I was in hospital, I could read it. It is beautifully written, um, okay. not just about your story, but it's just very well written, and obviously you wrote it from the heart, and I would recommend it to anybody who wants to know, not just about Disney, but just the, the art and the dedication that goes into working in a theme park, because it's not just about Disney. Right. Okay, right. so the, the Dream Finder and Figment were my late wife's favorite character, and I'd love to say, or love to think that when we met up with the Dream Finder, we've got video of the Dream Finder, we've got photographs, that it was you who actually playing that part. But one of the memories I have was we used to talk to you when a lot of the people who'd gone away or talked to the Dreamfinder, and that particular Dreamfinder told us at the time that Disney were actually thinking of uh, saying goodbye to the Dreamfinder because they thought children were frightened by the Dreamfinder. Uh, is is that a story that you remember? Uh I don't remember that. Um, as I say, I was only there for the first five years of the character. The character lasted for about uh, 15 years. And uh, the gentleman who, in most of my, the time now when I meet people, I, I, uh, uh, I, they're talking about a dream finder, uh, my number, the number two dream finder, a very talented gentleman, Steve Taylor, who uh, did the 15 years and has the carpal tunnel syndrome in his left hand to approve it. Um, he, uh, is a terrific guy and, um, I never had, I never would have had that conversation okay. about the character in that way, uh, in the first place. Um, I know that, uh, children's fear, uh, of Dreamfinder, the big, strange, bearded man is something that, um, uh, I learned to deal with on a daily basis. I never heard and, and became quite good at. Uh, by the way, but it was, it was always more, I always found it was more a, care, uh, a case of the uh, parents thrusting their children into close proximity with the stranger um, and that if I could take control of the situation and get them to pace themselves a little better, pace the child's exposure, uh, there was a way around that and then we could, we could get some terrific pictures. Um, as far as why Dreamfinder and Figment were taken out in 1998, I have heard every possible theory. Uh, Marty Sklar, uh, the uh, professor emeritus of Imagineering, has blamed Kodak. 
Um, I always heard that uh, Mr. Eisner was never a fan of Figment. And um, I, I firmly believe that we will never find out the whole truth on that matter, why the characters were, were excised. I know the idea of having an older uh, bearded gentleman as a mascot in a theme park uh, rubs certain people the wrong way. But once they'd been on the ride, they didn't feel that way. Um, but I, I can't, so I can't give you a conclusive answer. I just know that that wasn't me that was, that you, you were talking to. Um, and, uh, as for dream fighter, uh, scaring small children, my own daughter, uh, I would have, I had a baby daughter at the time and, um, she was scared to death of dream fighter until, uh, I took her backstage and took the beard off and then she was fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, you mentioned Kodak. My wife actually ran a national charity for blind children. And when Figment and Dreamfinder disappeared from the park, she actually contacted Disney and actually went over to America to meet with Disney to see if she could license Figment for use in the UK. And, oh. was, and was actually told that Figment, the character, was owned by Kodak and not by Disney. So I've heard that. I've heard that as well. Yeah. Uh, when we brought Dreamfinder and Figment back on, in 2011 for the D23 event, uh, that was one of the issues. Uh, that was a top secret thing that uh, one of the fellows at D23 organized. Uh, we had clearance from just below Bob Iger's office to do that, but nobody, nobody knew what we were doing. It was a top secret effort. And um, uh, so I don't know if anybody ever actually consulted Kodak on doing that. We just knew that fans were going to get such a fa uh, such a kick out of it that everybody did that uh, they weren't going to complain once we were out on the stage singing. Um, but the, I believe the characters uh, probably still have some uh, or would have some connection with Kodak. Uh, I don't know about it at this point. I'll be interested to see if there's a Kodak trademark on um, the Marvel comics. Although considering the state of Kodak, I would doubt it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it'd be interesting, you know, that I think there would have been some very heartless, soulless person to have to stopped uh, Figment and Dreamfighter from appearing on stage at D23. Uh, has anybody else got any questions for for Ron? Um, oh, we've got one here. Hang on, I'll pass you over. Hi, Ron, it's Alan here. Hi, Al. Um, as when you worked for Disney, um, I heard a story that you also played Santa Claus. Obviously, not that. Santa Claus needs playing because obviously he's, he's a real character. Of course. Um, but um, was that true that you played Santa Claus at Christmas at the parks? Many times. Um, I was interviewed twice by Regis Philbin uh, as Santa. And uh, we had a, a, a project called Oper of Operation Santa. The was, I think it was my first year, uh, no, my second year, uh, second Christmas at uh, the parks in the, this has been about. Uh, uh, 1983, we, um, somebody in the company realized that uh, on Christmas Eve, all the parks would close at uh, 6 p.m. so the, the cast members could go home and be with their families. And the hotels were filled to capacity, of course, and all the guests were in the hotels on Christmas Eve, and there wasn't much for them to do. So uh, we had, there were six, theme, uh, six uh, hotels at the time on property, and um, so they, we created Operation Santa, where we would put uh, a Santa Claus in the lobby of every hotel on Christmas Eve for a couple of hours, 
And uh, I was um, I was one of the Santas. I worked in the lobby of the uh, Polynesian Hotel that year. And we had they set up a throne in every lobby. There would be a, a big basket of candy canes. There would be a small musical group. There'd be a couple of uh, costume characters. And uh, then I'd be out there for a couple hours uh, at Santa Claus at the Polynesian Hotel. I had an interesting story about that. Um, I was uh, I had a, a line for about two hours handling with the kids, and then I had an hour to myself where I would just around and play with people and uh this one little uh boy came up on my lap and we talked for a while and told me what he wanted for christmas and he um uh he as we finished he comes back and he says by the way i wanted to tell you that this little girl's going to come up to you later and she's going to uh, tell you that she was a pony for christmas he said uh, don't give it to her I said, why? 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 She said, he said, well, she she lives on a ranch in Texas, and she's already got five horses, and she doesn't need another one. <laughs> and I, I said, okay, well, thanks for the tip. And he walked away. And uh, a little while later, up came this obviously very well-to-do family. The father was wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat he had on a string tie. And the daughter was this adorable little blonde-haired girl with her hair and pigtails. She had the wide skirt like a clogger, you know. And uh, she hopped up on my lap, and we talked a while, and uh, finally I said, what would you like Santa to bring you for Christmas? And she said, well, I'd really like a pony. And I said, uh, you sure you can handle another horse? She, her eyes got very wide. I said, because you got five already, five horses already. I said, are you sure you can take care of another horse? She said, got very serious. She said, yeah, yeah, I think so. I said, I said, well, I said, well, you better check with your mother and father and make sure that that's a good idea. She said, okay. And she hopped down. And her father walks over to me and sticks his hand out and says, I just want to be able to tell the people back home that I shook hands with a real Santa Claus. Wow. <laughs> that's a good old story. I like that story a lot. Um, coming away from Dreamfinder a little bit, um, you mentioned, obviously, you were part of Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. I'm kind of interested as to how you kind of trained for that role. What Disney, it's, it's such a different attraction to so many others. What did Disney kind of do with you in order to, to get you prepared to take on that role? And, and I'm kind of interested in how much freedom you got for, with, with the role and how much of it was very, very sort of scripted and, and specific. That's a, that's a long story. Because uh, it was a long training program. They, uh, they brought us in in... Uh, 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 they actually are supposed to start us in uh, November of 2006, and the show is supposed to open in April of 2007, um, giving us about five months because uh, this was a whole new machine. It was it was the it was based on the same operating system that was being used for Turtle Talk, but Turtle Talk has one character, and this is going to be the interaction of. Uh, uh, four original characters with a whole new operating system, a whole much grander theater, and all sorts of new technologies. And we were breaking new ground right from the start. So they brought us in uh, with, uh, there were Imagineers, there were people from Pixar, there were people from Disney Creative Entertainment. <laughs> Excuse me, there were writers and, um, and show uh, consultants. We had um, a couple people came in from, from outside. They hired 20 of us uh, who were primarily um, theme park actors, stand-up comedians, improvisers, a wide variety of people. I was, um, I was brought in. I was the oldest person on, on the team, 
And I was brought in primarily, I think, because of my uh, theme park experience. And uh, the, uh, the interface uh, was uh, in very, very raw form. And over the course of the five months, uh, we were constantly being consulted. Is this working for you? Is this working for you? How can we do this better? Um, the show was, there was a script right from the beginning written by Imagineering, which, um, like most times when Imagineering tries to write scripts for people, they're great with writing for robots. But they're but they're they are not that good always with writing with humor for people because they they I find that they tend to write stuff that they think we should laugh at rather than stuff that we would truly find funny. Uh, and so we we played with that and we grappled with that. Um, there was a consultant who uh, wanted us all to have funny voices. Well, if you listen to the voices in Pixar films, they're not funny voices. They're real-world voices. They're voices of people that you and I can relate to. And um, so it took, we, we spent those five months perfecting the machine and playing with different characters, and we improvised different situations. The, um, we had a pretty strong framework by the time the show opened, and all of the consultants left. And what was left were the 20 people that they hired in the first place because they were funny. So that when the show opened, it fell to us to make it work, and that's exactly what happened. That um, we took that framework and we ran with it, and that's what, to this day, I believe makes that show funny. Um, we came up with uh, a strong framework. We uh, it took a long time. I was actually the the, the slowest person to uh, to learn the interface. I don't know if it was my age or what, but um, everyone else got good at it better than I did. But uh, when we, we finally opened and all of the chefs left the kitchen and it just became us, uh, us comics, uh, the show really, that's when the show really took off. Okay. Because I know there was talk at the beginning that people were saying it was a little bit too scripted and it wasn't quite as free as, as it, uh, they'd like it to be. And then uh, they kind of said that it seemed to become a little bit free and it seemed to sort of become what people expected to be. And that kind of fits in with, with what you kind of said there about people leaving and how it, then it stuck on its mind of its own. Uh, well, the, 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 the thing was, there, there, between that November and that April, Disney was doing a big press event in December and, and operations, God bless them, uh, came along and said, uh, we'd, like to, we'd like to preview this show in December. We were not ready. We were not ready at all. And so, uh, but that's what operations wanted to do. And so we scrambled and we put the show up before it was ready. And uh, as you know, the uh, wonderful, delightful people of the uh, internet world jumped in there and started to post reviews of the show. We weren't ready. We told them at every performance, we're not ready, folks. This is not the show you're going to be seeing when we open. Yeah. But that didn't bother them. They were busy condemning the show, saying it's a disaster, it's a failure, tear it out, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was ever thus. There's always wonderful critics. Everyone has an opinion. And uh, we knew it was going to happen. When uh, the preview was open, uh, was over, we all cleared our throats, cleared our minds, and chose to ignore all the bad press. And, and finally, the show got open, and people actually saw what we were heading for. Uh, that's when the good reviews started. Yeah, and that, that fits, I think, exactly with what a lot of us 
here kind of remember uh, when that happened. Uh, sadly, we're running towards the end of our time with you today. Uh, before you go, I just want to mention, yeah, again, the, as, as Steve's already said, about your book, which is From Dreamer to Dreamfinder. I've got it. I picked it up after we spoke to Ron last time. It really genuinely is a very good read and very, very interesting to see kind of uh, Ron's life and career. Um, I know it's available on Amazon here. It's also available as a digital copy as well as a hard copy. Um, but, um, and, the audio, and the audio book, don't forget. Of course, the audio book as well, yes. Um, I think uh, there's one question that I think we have to ask before we let you go, and that is, I'm sure everybody's probably thinking it, um, there must be one overriding memory of being the dream finder. Um, I'd love to know what that was. Uh, the, th the, the two things that I miss about the character, uh, about doing that particular job, uh, one is, uh, is working with Figma, having that, uh, that spirit, that character on my left side uh, for all those years. Um, totally insane character to be playing. Um, I had a policy I adopted early on that no matter what question anybody asked Figma, he would, he would answer the opposite of what was expected, which always put me in an awkward position. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but a fun one to be in. Uh, so I, I had a tremendous uh, thrill of working with him for five years. And uh, when I crossed my arm into a particularly uncomfortable position, as it was for that five years, I can still feel him there. And the other was the look on the kids' faces. The, uh, the, the, the look when I would be talking one-on-one -on -one with them. You know, in this business, you don't get a lot of strokes. Um, it's, a, it's, a lo it's a long, hard haul every day in that heat and, and being up and bright and magical for everybody. So you, uh, you get your strokes where you can. And for me, it was always a look in the children's eyes. Mm. And uh, the, the interaction with them, there's a picture in my book of me talking to one little boy, and the caption reads, What I Miss Most. And it's that uh, that intimate moment that you can see in that picture between I and the child, which uh, I know that uh, when I was a child uh, visiting the parks and I would have a personal moment with one of the characters, I know what it meant to me, and I was mm. determined that uh, that would be uh, the essence of what I communicated with people. It isn't easy, but uh, it's definitely rewarding. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, everybody rides the attractions again and again and gets pretty much the same experience, but it is the, the character interaction experience that make it individual. And you, you, I can remember stories from when I was a child of the characters that I met, and I can think now I've taken my son, um, the kind of memories that we've got from him meeting all of those characters as well makes a, a massive difference to the trip. So I'm pretty certain you are part of um, the memory of millions um, of young adults and even older adults uh, now from when they met you when they're in the parks. Uh, thank you, Ron, for joining us. Um, sadly, our time is short, but if you don't want to hear more from Ron, then we actually spoke to him a few months ago uh, on the Disney Bit podcast, and we talked more about the Dream Finder. We talked more about his time in the Diamond Horseshoe and all those sort of things as well. So you can listen back to all of that as well. But thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, everybody. Have a great meeting. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye. For the past 10 years, Orlando attraction tickets have been providing the UK with cheap Disney tickets for Walt Disney World and the surrounding Orlando attractions. With a low deposit scheme of just £10 per person, you can book your tickets in advance knowing you're in good hands. Orlando attraction tickets are the only ticket company to allow you to pay your balance off in instalments online and with no credit or debit card fees, free UK sign for delivery, 
and you are fed Fast Pass Plus enabled tickets now shipping. There is no other choice for your Orlando ticketing needs than Orlando Attraction Tickets. Visit www.orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk or call 0845 226 8523. That's orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk or call 0845-226-8523. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Right, and it's time for Disney's Ultimate Attraction. I hope you enjoyed what uh, Ron Schneider had to say. It was really interesting to listen to him. And we had oh, Stephen, who's probably the biggest Dreamfinder fan ever. Um, had all the gear on, didn't he? He had all the gear on. It was amazing. I've never seen so many different He's the biggest. He was normal size. <laughs> yeah, okay. It was normal. Yeah, normal height. But you know, anyway, shush. Um, what are we... people there, weren't there? There was, sorry. <laughs> Okay. Can I also go back to the the uh, Orlando tickets? <coughs> Orlando tickets and Orlando attraction tickets. Yeah. One of the words he said in his in the advert is selling cheap Orlando tickets. Yes. And I thought there's no cheap tickets. There is cheaper. I've seen them. Those, those balloons at the side of the road. They say cheap. Cheap. Yeah, tickets. that's what it is. Cheaper. How, how much is it costing for the family of four in tickets? For Disney World, yeah. Oh man, twelve hundred. Um, yeah, twelve hundred quid is about average. It's cost yeah. me seven hundred. Yeah, for three of us, for two adults and a child. Yeah, I'm, I'm about twelve hundred for Disney only. There's people that go on holiday for a fortnight for that. Yeah, I know. We're not, let's not even talk about how much it costs anyway. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Disney's Ultimate Attraction because we once again have put up a poll on our Facebook page, and some people have been voting for uh, who they want to uh, to go through, basically, to the next round. And uh, we've got some great matchups Today, we've got the Jedi Training Academy versus the House of Whispering Willows, Studio Badlock Tour versus Ketchikitty Creek, Jungle Cruise versus Discovery Island Trails, and Tomorrowland Speedway versus Space Mountain. So, let's start off with our first one, then. We're heading over to the Jedi Training Academy, and we are putting that up against the House of Whispering Willows. For those of you who don't know what the House of Whispering Willows is, it's the kind of... Um, museum area inside china they've got the miniature version of the terracotta army inside um and that is up against say the jedi training academy which is the children's kind of entertainment show training thing where they come up against some of the bad guys from star wars with their lightsabers and that sort of stuff so alan do you want to start us off who are you going for for it's a very tight choice this one it is and actually voting wise this week would make a difference here because i don't know which one's the one I should vote for because I've not really done either of them. Right, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and I'll be totally honest, every time I go to Epcot, I say, I've got to go into the, the pavilions of the countries, yeah. go further than the, the path that goes around the lake, yeah. you know, got to go a bit further into it. And I've never been into China. I've been into Japan every yeah. single time. But I'm not saying there's a comparison there. <laughs> 
but I've just never been into China at all. I don't know why. And my okay. brother, who's gone to Disney World um, on what, Tuesday. What are you going to say? He's Chinese or something? No. He has also said he has never seen the Terracotta Army. So it's just... That must have been a strange conversation you had there. So you can abstain from voting if you feel that there is a need to do that. I will let you well, do that. I don't know. In Jedi Academy, I've never even seen Star Wars. <laughs> so which one should I vote for? What are you going for? Or you can, like I say, if you don't know either of them, you can abstain. It's fine. I don't have a problem with you abstaining from either. Well, to me, I think one's more entertainment value than the other. Yeah. Um, one's a museum and one's um, kids thrashing someone with a stick. Yeah. So I'd go with Jedi Academy. So you're going Jedi Academy. Okay, Chris. Right, if there's one thing that I hate more than Star Wars, it's Chinese museums. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, okay. I'm glad you said we could abstain. Are you abstaining? Because I ain't interested in either of these things. Well, I've just started something playing. I don't know what I've just started playing, but I'm going to stop it because I don't know what that is. There's music coming from somewhere. This <laughs> that was going to be Chinese music. I don't know <laughs> There you go. That's the Chinese music. <laughs> I was no, I that could have been Chinese or Star Wars music. I wouldn't know. <laughs> so are you abstaining? Yeah, I've been for 10 okay. years. I've never been to either of right. Okay. So it means at this moment in time, it is a draw. They're both yeah, the same amount yeah. of votes. Um, so it's now basically down to me to decide who wins. <sighs> I've been in Whispering Willows I give a monkeys, to be honest. Um, it's all right. It's not amazing. It, it reminds me a little bit of... You know how, like, towns have their own village, like, or village museum, which you walk in and they've got a few bits and pieces, and you go in for five minutes, you walk out again? Like Beamish. They're out. <laughs> that was all right. Um, it's a little bit like that, whereas Jedi Training Academy at least is a little bit interactive. It's quite funny. It's quite entertaining. The kids quite enjoy it, whereas the kids get bored to tears in Whispering Willows. So I'm going to go Jedi Training Academy, which means Jedi Academy... Is through and takes out the Whispering Willows. So there you go. Well, I want to vote now. Why? I'm going to say Whispering Willows because I, I want to know what you're going to do as a draw. If <laughs> no, you've abstained. <laughs> Change my mind. If if it's a draw, then basically the votes before we voted are the what takes it through. Oh, I don't care then. All right, so we'll just stay with Jedi Training Academy. <laughs> then. Um, incidentally, on the official website, it doesn't say Terracotta Army. It's it says. Clay like, Cavalry. Clay Cavalry. And they're like yeah. a third of a size or something, or three-tenths of the normal size or something like that. Uh, I don't know what to say Who cares, to be honest, they're lost. There you go. Right, Can they're lost. So, the real uh, terracotta army <laughs> are life-sized. They're life-sized. They're not three-quarter height. Well, it's those Chinese size. are three-quarter height. I don't remember. Uh, let's head on to the next one, then, which is the studio. Averaging about six feet tall. <laughs> okay, what, you, you thought the original ones were 18 feet <laughs> Clearly, they must have been. Uh, right, Studio Backlot Tour, then. There you go. Um, so, it's Studio sure. Backlot Tour versus Catcher Kitty Creek. Now, Studio Backlot Tour, we know, is the tram tour that used to be much, much bigger than it is now. Uh, and then Catcher Kitty Creek is basically the kids' area, the little kids' area of um, Typhoon Lagoon. So, the question is, what are you going for? Alan. Well, I've just clicked on the link that you've added in there. Yeah. It's not don't, work, don't work, does it? Oh. Rubbish. Um, well, let's think. Backlot Tour, outdated, used to be better. Yeah, true. 
Used to be much better when they used to have a real person doing the tour, like doing uh -huh. the narration. Mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes you'd hear like snippets of what is happening in the studios rather than just what's been pre-recorded. Fair enough. So I think it is a shadow of its former self. Yeah. Catch a Kitty Creek. I've never caught one yet. So, Alan, the child oh. catcher. Oh, 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 I'm not going to go into that one. Oh, is your middle name Ralph? <laughs> Enough. Have you seen that video? No. <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> the um, come. I, I think I'd say backlot tour because it's. I'm going to see something different, but it's exactly the same as all the other backlot tours, isn't it? Okay, so you're going backlot tour. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Chris. For me, I've been a regular at the old uh, Kitty Creek. Yeah. Uh, and then, then the kids come along. Now, uh, no, the kids love it there. Um, and it's nice that you can sit at the edge. And it's quite a, quite a good area for them to get, go around on. Yeah. They do enjoy it. But then again, I do enjoy the backlot tour. And it still amazes me how all that water resets itself so quickly. Okay. So it's a tough one. Um, I'm going I'm to go for Kiddies Creek, but I have got a story to tell you about a kid's swimming area. Go on, tell us. That is, that is safe. <laughs> was, uh, my next question was, is this clean? A few years ago, um, Steve was out on holiday at the same time as us. Yeah. And we said, we'll meet you at a quacker. And he said, well, where do you want to sit? I said, well, the kids, always, I was like, basically the kids area, we can move around. He said, all right, yeah, no problem. We got stuck in traffic. So as, as we get there, this is like about four security guards sort of stood at the back of the kids' area. All the kids are playing, and then there's Steve sat by himself <laughs> on a deck chair. Um, oh, man. I think the fact we went over and then sat with the kids and that saved him from being... Uh, then picked up and carried out. Picked That's up brilliant. and asked to leave. I love that. But all he was doing was saving the best seats for us. Brilliant. That's fantastic. And also, there's lots of nice mums there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> so you're voting Ketchikitty Creek. I am, yes. Uh, Alan's gone back lot tour. Yep. Um, which means it makes no difference what I do now, because Ketchikitty Creek will win. Uh, but I think I'm going to go Ketchikitty Creek, just because back lot tour is not what it used to be. It's nowhere near as good as it used to be. It's a, it's a shame, really, that it's kind of got to that point, but it, it does need to go. They need to do something with it, so... They need to put some Dinotopia in it. No, they don't need to do that at all. They need to get Dinotopia away from it. So that means we say goodbye to Studio Backlot Tour. Can't believe it. And Ketcha Kitty Creek goes through to the next round. So what's next then? It is the Jungle Cruise versus Discovery Island Trail. So, Alan, Jungle Cruise versus Discovery Island Trail. What are you going for? Right, Jungle Cruise or Discovery Island Trails. Now, we know how we like your back passages of... Uh, the Animal Kingdom. <laughs> I didn't know you liked the backpack. And the back secret passage. back routes round. Yes. Right, okay, so you've got the Jungle Cruise, which is not quite as good as Kilimanjaro Safaris. Um, and What's that to do with Kilimanjaro Safaris? I know, but the other one's in Animal Kingdom, and I love Animal Kingdom. Right. And I think that's, to me, that's going to sway it regardless. You know, one's an old attraction that has been around for years and yeah. the other is and doesn't always work all the time true the other one, the other one is just a, a lot of paths around the bottom of the tree with not much to see apart from the tree so oh. and watch it doesn't fall on you yeah it was better before it had the nets so there was a bit more thrill to it yes 
<laughs> what are you trying to describe Discovery Island Trails as a thrill ride attraction? You never know when that brunch is going to drop. <laughs> and when that gorilla got out. Oh, dear. So which one are you going for? Definitely a thrill attraction then. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go Discovery Island Trails. Wow, okay. Uh, Chris? Well, as I've not been here for a little while, does this count as 10? No. Well, there's no point voting then, is there? <laughs> no, it, it really isn't going to make a difference. But I'd be interested <laughs> to hear your thoughts anyway. Now, um, Discovery Island Trails, is, 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 to be honest, is rubbish, isn't it? It's oh, How would you say it's rubbish? It's well, all right. But it's not... I like the activities that you do in there, which I confused it with at first. Not the trials, but the activities around Animal Kingdom. But it's, it's just boring. It is um, a fair point. And to be honest, you go for just as many trials going to see as Bugs Life. So many little parts. That is also true, yeah. Is that not all part of it? Well, I thought that was the queue. That's the queue for Bugs Life. But it does, it does kind of intertwine with a few of the bits and pieces but, that go on there as well. That is true. Jungle Cruise annoys me so much that half of it's not working. Okay. Because when I've, I've been on the old Keys to Kingdom, you do a backstage yeah. bit of that. And they tell you all the bits that used to work and don't work anymore. And yeah. And, of course, you have to, do have to listen out there. I Love Disco. I Love Disco is brilliant. I love the I Love Disco stuff. So I'll, I'll vote for... Um, mm, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm going to vote for Dinosaur. <laughs> you can't vote for Dinosaur. I don't want to go against the um, Animal Kingdom, my favourite. You're going against Animal Kingdom. You're going for Jungle Cruise, aren't you? I am, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going for Jungle Cruise without a shadow of a doubt. It's great. I love the Jungle Cruise. I know there's a few bits that haven't been working properly, but particularly the um, nighttime, when it starts to... If you get a boat at night when there's no kids on, you can sometimes get the Jungle Cruise skippers that are a little bit edgier. Um, so it's always quite good to go later at night if there's nobody there. So I'm going Jungle Cruise without a shadow of a doubt because I love it. Uh, right, final pairing then. It is Tomorrowland. Add something back go on, on Jungle Cruise. Go on then, go on. on. What, what, what are you going to say? With the, with the advances of animatronics nowadays, yeah. the animatronics on Jungle Cruise look so old-fashioned and need to be replaced. When you've got shiny plastic-looking things, that is true. It I doesn't think, look. I think part of the issue, though, is that um, you've kind of. It was an original concept by it. it was original concept by Disney, wasn't it? And because yeah. it was an original concept by Disney, I suppose they don't want to play around with it too much. And I suppose part of the, the charm of it, maybe. Nah, you don't, you don't need charm. You, you know when you go past that big giant python that's looking at the boat? Yeah. You want people to duck out the way. You don't want to just go, oh, plastic snake. But also point out that um, it's supposed to be this cheesy, funny, ridiculous kind of ride. And if oh. all of the animals were realistic, it would kind of lose a little bit of that tackiness that it's supposed well, to be. What if they were real? Well, that's what Walt wanted originally. No, you'd have never got the laser eyesights on the tiger. No, true. He originally wanted uh, it to be real. That was his his first kind of thought, was that he wanted that to be real. And obviously it didn't happen. Um, but I think it adds to the tackiness of it. I quite like the tacky, cheesy nastiness about it, which is quite good. I, the views much better animatronics than the um, safari. Yeah. So why, yeah. why can't they just put them back what, into Kilimanjaro the Safari? Yeah, they're quite good, those ones. Anyway, Jungle Cruise is through. There's no point in us discussing it any longer because we're going over to uh, Tomorrowland because it is Tomorrowland Speedway versus Space Mountain. So, uh, Chris, start us off. What are you going for? Well, Tomorrowland Speedway is great unless you let the kids drive. Fair enough. 
And once they get that into that motion of knocking side to side, <laughs> my God. It's like you've been on the worst roller coaster ever. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 and my kids just get it into a knack and it's boom, boom, boom. And then they cry when you whack them and things like that. Now, please tell me, why is there a track in the middle? So they don't smash into each other. But you go to Legoland and the kids get on their little cars and they're not on a track. That's true. So I'm kind of thinking, I get why they had a track originally, because nobody had kind of done it another way, but now they have. Get rid of the track. Yeah, just let them drive around. Yeah, it'd be so much better. They can't go anywhere. You're in a lane. You can't turn the car around. Are they, are they charged powered off the track? Uh, no, I'm sure. No, they're, they're, petrol, they're petrol, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they are, yeah. So. Um, yeah. Mm. And then the Space Mountain. Yeah. Um, Great ride. Love it. Good concept. The first ever computer designed roller coaster. It it could do with having the lights on. <laughs> yeah, the theming on the inside of the lights on, you'll be surprised to hear. Isn't that great? No, I, I love the ride and I love the concept of sitting behind each other. I, but I just miss most of it because it's dark. Mm, or is yeah. it that bad that it has to be darker? Hmm. Pretty much. It, the darkness just add, make you feel like you're going faster than you actually are. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what are you going for? I'm going to go for Space Mountain. Space Mountain. Okay, Alan. Um, right, Tomorrowland Speedway or Space Mountain? You've got bad back or whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> which injury would you like less? Which which one basically. pays out more? Um, for you? I think... In, this is another thing which I don't get about Tomorrowland Speedway. Because you're on the track and obviously you can't overtake any of the cars. Yeah. Why is there a positions board near the end? I think that depends how hard you smashed a person in the, in the back from <laughs> in front of you. That position to do with position is how much G-force you manage to swing when you hit somebody in front of you. Because oh. whenever I hit someone in front, I just look at the kid in disgust. Just, just shake your head. When really <laughs> it's me. It's when you hit someone in front, then all of a sudden you get hit behind. That's what happens. Because yeah. the person behind you is, oh, he's, he's moving up, he's moving up. Oh, he stopped. Boom, bump. No. I, I th- it's, it's a popular attraction. I don't know why. It's a popular attraction, though. It's, it's just, always a long queue, isn't it? That's a good go-kart. Um, and Space Mountain is actually quite a good roller coaster. Well, have you been on it? It is. Yeah. I have been on it, believe it or not. Wow. The what? last time I went... To go on it though, just as I plucked up enough courage to go into that queue lane, I got the very front and it got shut down. Oh. Ah. So we went on the TTA and watched it it's with the lights on. Fast. Yeah, watched it with the lights. Yeah, it is probably just fast. You're probably right. It's about thirty miles an hour, I think. The uh, Space Mountain, something around that. I've got a pretty good feeling that's exactly the same as every other roller coaster like that that's in the dark. Yeah. Like the rat at Lightwater Valley or whatever it's called now, Jurassic. It's a, I can tell you it's 27 miles an hour it travels at. Which is nothing. But yeah, if it's. Last so time different. I went, I didn't even have a speedo in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder which one's actually faster, the speedway or the space mountain? Uh, oh, let me check. Let's see. That'll be quite an interesting one. I've got a feeling that it's the space mountain. I think space mountain, yeah. Because if, if the speedway was 30. You slammed into the back of someone with no seatbelt. I think there could be a bit more of a problem. Well, you, you might be able to get your speed up, though. 
Maximum, maximum speed of 7.5 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a big difference. I can imagine that. Oh, I was, all, I was all right until it, someone hit me from behind at 30. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. So, uh, yeah, it is. Space Mountain is faster. Um, are you going for Space Mountain, Nate, I guess? Then? I, will, I will go for Space Mountain. And I'll go for Space Mountain. Uh, not that it made any difference whatsoever because uh, it thrashed Tomorrowland Speedway. So that means, after this round of Disney's Ultimate Attraction, we've got the Jedi Training Academy, Kitty Creek, and Jungle, Cru- Jungle Cruise and Space Mountain going through. And we can say goodbye to the House of the Whispering Willows, uh, Studio Backlot Tour, the uh, Discovery Island Trails, and Tomorrowland Speedway. So they're the four that go through. Um, and we'll continue with that on the next show. But that's everything for today. I- can I, can I say something? Yeah, you can. Feel free. I just want to put a bit of advice out there. Yeah, go on. People, if you know someone who's going to Disney, like I've never been before, please give them some advice. Which is? Uh, any, just anything. <laughs> I um, someone at, someone at work uh, last week said to me, oh, I'm going to Disney next Thursday. Right. So I start talking to them about booking fast passes, booking this, booking that. We ain't booked nothing. No, no. Do we do we do we buy tickets before we go? Oh no! It then got into the conversation. Is um, you're probably still best to print your esters. Just think, what's an ester? Are you joking? No, we're just going to go without even having. They hadn't even done an ester. Oh man! So they've done their ester, and the night in their Gatwick hotel, I then spent on the phone with them for an hour and a half, <laughs> going through what rides they should get fast passes for, what ride they shouldn't, and so on. Wow. So yeah, just she then asked, something. Um, we're standing on International Drive. Do you think there's any restaurants or shops near us? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I did explain. It's an 11-mile road with restaurant, shop, hotel, restaurant, shop, hotel. <laughs> and she asked if there's any designer gear out there. Oh, man. By that time, I'd lost the what Will for Liver said no. How have you possibly got this far without any? It, it is... It is quite common, though, for people to book up without yeah. knowing yeah. what they're getting into. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. So um, if, you, if you know someone going, just just, just just ask them a few silly questions. Yeah, the questions that you would take for granted. Cause if, I hadn't, if I hadn't spoke to this woman, she would have been denied access to the plane. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't going anywhere. Mate, last time we went, um, we were talking to someone on the on the airplane on the way out. Yeah. And saying, oh, where are you stopping? And we were saying, oh, we're stopping in... Saratoga Springs. They say, oh, we're stopping in a hotel on International Drive. I said, all right. I said, have you got a car? I said, oh, no, no, I haven't got a car. I said, are you going to Universal? Um, no, we're mainly going to go to Disney. And then we met them on the way back. They were cursing how much they spent on taxis. Yeah. Yeah. Because they hadn't looked into locations of what they were doing and what they were going to do. I think people think it's like Spain. Yeah. Your hotel's just on the edge of a resort and you walk in and everything's there. Yeah. It sort of is. <laughs> yeah, 11 miles, 20 miles. It is a totally different holiday to anywhere else, though, isn't it? It is totally, totally different. Yeah. That's why like it's £1,000 more. But so, they'd yeah. booked this with a big-name travel agent. And they haven't told them anything either. Hadn't told them anything. Amazing. There Apart from it, you can't get a car unless you get it from them and insure it from them. Oh, yeah. Right, typical scare tactics. Right. Another, another thing is about um, 
ADRs. Make sure that people understand ADRs if you're going to eat in the in the parks. Mm, I didn't. I didn't even get that far. I just didn't have time. <laughs> just enjoy a holiday. Just eat where you can. Well done. Thanks. Yes. I didn't tell them there was food in the park. <laughs> or rides. Burgers. Or, or anything. That's really. what you eat. That's burgers. <laughs> okay. Well, that is the end of today's show, which means it is time for this. And uh, just to say thank you to everyone for joining us once again. Thank you to Ron, who came on and spoke to us about the exciting times we had with Dreamfinder. Thank you again to our sponsors, both uh, Orlando Attraction Tickets. You find them at orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk and Scoot, uh, Scooter Vacations, which is scootorlando.com. You can, of course, join us on our Facebook, like our page, comment on all the stuff that goes on there, and also follow us on Twitter at DisneyBrit. Email us, radio at disneybrit.com, and you can of course we leave reviews on itunes just go over there search us on itunes and leave a comment about what you've heard on the show whether you like it or not and uh, people can find out a little bit more about it and if you want to contact us just to say hi leave a voicemail maybe we're in the park anything like that then the number is 0121 288 2748 do i need to say anything else have i missed anything nah nah that's it goodbye really just yeah just bye we will see you in two weeks time when me and chris will be uh jumping up and down like excited giddy school children oh, yes, because long. we will be that close to our are you, are you actually meeting up uh well we, we, we should yeah, arrange, we discussed but, we it, but we will do yeah at some point we'll do you can you, actually pretend that you like each other when you get there yeah we will and we'll you know and we can introduce our wives to each other and they can talk about how they're disney widows and stuff but they go Right. Well, not <laughs> well, you know what I mean. <laughs> right, speak to you uh, in a couple of weeks, and we will see you then. Until then, see ya. Everybody, <laughs> that was swell! <laughs> <laughs>